Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Making Headway Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Aaron. And this is Mariah. And today we are doing a survivor story with Kayla Smock. Kayla reached out to us as she's a survivor of post-concussive syndrome. She had a whiplash injury and uh, since found out that she has occipital neuralgia. And she actually started an occipital neuralgia foundation. It's called the Occipital Neuralgia Foundation. And you can find her online under that. So Kayla, I'd love to turn things over to you and hear a little bit more about your story. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Yay. So a little history. Um, when I was 13 years old, I was, in, I was playing in my softball game and there was a pop-up and my teammate and I, we both went for the ball and we ran into each other. Her elbow went into my neck and then I had slammed my head on the ground and that left me with a concussion whiplash injury. Yikes, that's a crazy start. <laughs> Was her elbow okay? <laughs> yeah, so for the first two years, they didn't really know what was wrong with me. They just said, okay, you'll have migraines for the rest of your life. We don't know what to do. Um, and then after two years, I finally was told that I suffer from a chronic head pain condition called occipital neuralgia. Now, is that a condition that is normally stemming from concussive syndrome or? Yeah, how common mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, so the impact from the whiplash injury, it causes severe damage to the nerves in the back of the head. So occipital neuralgia is a condition where the nerves in the back of the head, the occipital nerves become inflamed or injured, and that leads to headaches, chronic head pain. Mm-hmm. How yeah. intense is it and how often does it happen to you? So I've had a headache for the last five years. It really hasn't gone away. I've tried tons of treatments. Nothing's really helped. I've had three surgeries. The last surgery has been the most successful. Wow. What kind of surgeries? I'm just curious. I mean, like a headache for that long, that's, I I can barely stand a headache for like a couple of minutes. So, (laughs) so you're a champ. So what kind of headache? Is it like in one spot? Is it intense? Is it dull? Tell us a little bit about what you feel. Um, so, I mean, it, it varies for everyone with LN, but for me personally, it's really just a dull pain. And what makes LN different from just a regular headache, we get zaps like in our head. It, it feels almost like a lightning bolt, like goes from the back of our head to the front. So that's like my main issue on top of the constant head pain. But like you say that you have a headache, but it impacts every aspect of your life. It's not just a headache. That makes sense. I mean, that's a lot to deal with constantly. Did you start feeling that immediately after your whiplash injury? Was it like instant that it happened? So I got the collision happened probably around like noon. And then it wasn't until that night, probably seven, eight o'clock that I realized that I had a headache. Gotcha. Does the zapping pain start immediately or is that something that progresses later on? The zapping, it was probably like two, three months later. And that kind of led to finding out that I had LN because there's post-concussion syndrome without the zapping. And then there's LN and that has the zapping. And that was like the distinction that I had LN. So I'm curious after like the day of the whiplash injury or immediately after the whiplash injury, 
were you taken to the hospital or did they just say, you probably have a concussion, go about your merry way? Like how did, how did that day go down for you after the, the collision happened? Yeah, so I don't remember much of that day, but um, from what I've been told from my parents and everything, I was taken off the field. I, well, I stayed, I stayed in the game for another play and like I couldn't even throw the ball. So that's when they took me out of the game. Upon the initial impact, I really wasn't worried about my head. I was more worried about my ribs. They were really sore and they started to bruise. And that's, that was my main concern. I really didn't notice that I just had a concussion. I just sprained my neck. Mm. So then later that night, we were at the hotel. And that's when I started to notice like the room was spinning and my vision started to get blurry. And then that was when we realized like, shoot, we have to go home. So we Something's left the tournament not right. early. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So we went home, we saw just my regular doctor and she was nervous that there was a brain bleed. So we went to the hospital right away. They told me that it was just a mild concussion and I could be back on the field in three days. So I mean, it's five yeah. years later and I still can't play softball. Yeah. So Did they just, give you any instruction for like healing? Did they send you any for any kind of like post-concussive therapy or were, you, were they just kind of like, you'll be fine in a couple days? That's exactly it. They just Ugh. said that you'll be fine. Stay off your phone, stay in a dark room and you'll be fine in three days. Yeah. It's amazing. Aaron and I were talking the other day about how like, you know, we're a little older than you, Kayla, but when we were growing up playing sports, that's how it was. And it's amazing that it hasn't sort of like changed since then, or maybe it has in other, in certain places, but like we were told you get a concussion, you go home, you don't go to sleep, but you rest for a couple of days and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but not always the case. So it's amazing to me that they didn't refer you somewhere to get some proper therapy for it and make sure like there weren't long lasting effects, which clearly there are. Mm -hmm. Are there times when your headaches get worse or like you've, is there like a baseline and certain things intensify it? Have you noticed there are certain triggers or is it just constant or unpredictable? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unpredictable for the most part. I notice it worse. It gets worse when I sleep too much or I sleep too little lights and noise that's always been a trigger for me activity i really can't exercise anymore i go for walks but that's about it because the pain gets too bad that's tough so you mentioned it took two years to get the occipital neuralgia diagnosis so what was happening in that time from the injury up to two years tell us a little more about your journey yeah so the initial two years i tried physical therapy, vestibular therapy. I went to vision therapy. And like for PT, I would go, I would feel good. And then I would come home and the pain would be back. And within those two years, I did three rounds of PT and three rounds of vision therapy. Each time I would go and it would get better, but then I would just regress. And we later found out from one of my surgeons that the PT was actually making my ON worse because it was stretching the nerves that were already damaged. Wow. So who made the diagnosis? It's such a crazy story because we went everywhere. We went to the top hospitals. We're right by New York. So we were always in the city trying to 
figure out what was wrong with me. And then we went to someone in the town over, just like a small town. And he was like, I think you have LN. My cousin, he's a neurologist. And he told me about the symptoms. And I think you have LN. So we immediately looked it up. My symptoms matched everything that we found online. That must have been quite an aha moment where you like, finally, yeah, <laughs> an explanation. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe it took that long. That's wild. And probably was a frustrating two years, too, to feel like you're, you know, you're trying everything and nothing's working. And it's, you know, like you don't really know what's going on. Right. Because it's one thing not to understand what's going on with your body. But then when doctors don't understand, I mean, it, it's like mm-hmm. a curveball. You don't you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a brain injury of any sorts really is one of those things that for the most part, you have to explain how it feels to someone because they, you know, don't have it and they can look at, you know, a scan of your brain, but not necessarily know exactly how to interpret that or how it manifests itself. So it's one of those things where it's like, you just have to find people, especially medical practitioners who listen carefully and believe you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. So since your diagnosis, is there anything that you've changed in your life to help deal? Or, you know, is there any, like, have you found any coping coping mechanisms that help you along the way? Yeah. So initially I never talked about what I was going through. I'm, I didn't, I feel like it was, I didn't want to be a nuisance. Mm. And now I actually talk about it. I talk about what's going on and I just, I feel better after I talk about it. And like you guys had mentioned earlier, I started the Anoxibal Neurology Foundation. And through that, I've met so many amazing people, a lot of people my age that know what we're going through. So that's been really helpful. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your foundation and what the goal is and um, what you've been doing for it. Yeah, so we just became incorporated April 16th of this year. Um, Congrats. Mission, That's exciting. It is. Thank you. It's so <laughs> exciting. Actually, um, yesterday was Occipital Neurological Awareness Day. So oh, we all had our yeah. t-shirts on. It was fun. But um, our mission is to help people to raise awareness in the medical community, in public, and to foster research into the treatments and causes of ON. Gotcha. So and how do you go about that? The first two parts of our mission we've already accomplished through our social media. We have almost 1,200 people between Instagram and Facebook. And then the third part, I'm still working on because I have to find a doctor that knows about ON and wants to support the cause. So I've been doing a lot of research. I found a doctor in Arizona that looks like she'll she'll want to help. Yeah. 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 Cool. So the idea is to educate people because, I mean, not a whole lot of folks out there know about occipital neuralgia, I would imagine. It's one of, I I don't want to call it obscure, but it's just a lesser known result of a brain injury. How Do you know anything about how many people wind up with it? When you look it up online, it says every three in 100,000 people have it. Wow, that's Um, not many people. (laughs) That's pretty rare. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But through my research, I've found that seems to be much more than that. Just when I was in high school, there were two other people that had it. And then my best friend's mom had it. 
she she didn't know what she had for 26 years she thought that she just Uh had post-concussion syndrome and then Uh. we started talking about it one day because my friend Haley she knew she knew that we both get headaches and her mom was like wait I have all the symptoms that you're listing so then she went to her doctor and he was like oh yeah you have ON that's crazy. So it's very possible that the percentage is actually higher. It's just that people haven't had a proper diagnosis. Exactly. Yeah. What are the symptoms that people should be looking for besides the zap? It's the constant headache that doesn't go away with regular headache or migraine medication, not improving after PT. More people with the whiplash injury that have LN, they'll get pain down their arms, fingers go numb. A lot of like blurry vision, eye fatigue. I mean, it's a lot of the post-concussion syndrome symptoms, and that's why it's difficult to diagnose. Right. So that big key difference is the zapping. It sounds like from the back of your head to the front of your head? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then do you need a doc? Like, will any doctor diagnosis? Do you need to go to a neurologist? The doctor that diagnosed me was a sports medicine doctor. We were seeing him for my neck pain. But as far as neurologists, there's just not enough awareness there. I've been to so many neurologists. I don't even have one at this point because they don't understand the impact of ON and they don't understand how severe it can be. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned having treatments for it. What types of treatments have been offered to you and what's kind of out there? So after you try um, headache medications, migraine medications, injections, Botox, then there's different surgeries that are offered. So the most common surgery is nerve decompression surgery. So they go in the back of your head and they remove the fascia and the scar tissue that's there. If that doesn't work, then there's nerve excision, which is... um. There's a very popular surgeon in California that does it, Dr. Paled, and they basically just snip the nerve, and usually you're left with a numb feeling in your head, but it's not a guarantee that it'll help with your pain. So I had the um, the nerve decompression surgery in 2019, and it worked really well for the first three months, and then... After that, all my pain came back, and we don't know what it was. My Mm. surgeon isn't sure what happened. But just this past February and May, I had another two surgeries. We flew out to Texas for them. I had a neurostimulator implant. So there's a battery pack in my chest, and leads, they go to the back of my head, and then there's two in my forehead right here. And it's meant to... um, like stop the pain signals from reaching the brain and Mm. it just when it's on it just feels like a massage in your head you don't really feel it it's kind of like I'm a robot now it's kind of (laughs) cool do you have to go through a special line at security in the airport (laughs) I do yeah I get patted down it's the weirdest your VIP (laughs) yeah So I'm curious, and I'm not a medical professional, so you're going to know more about this than I do, Kayla, so correct me if I'm wrong. So the idea, the, the idea between those, behind those surgeries is if it's the nerve ending that's causing the issue because like, it's not protected from anything that might interfere with it, 
the decompression is sort of like to protect the nerve ending, right? And give it space to, to take that exactly. scar tissue yeah. away from it. Okay. And so, um, so the, your most recent surgery, the idea is what to sort of like vibrate the nerve a little bit to give it more space or how is that working? I just know that it's supposed to block the pain signals from gotcha. reaching the brain. Gotcha. I don't really know like the medical. Yeah. Um, and do you, <laughs> do you have any control over it or does it just kind of do it? So you yeah. have like a button somewhere? Yeah, I have a remote right here. You have and a remote control? I, oh, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to charge it like every week. It's, gotcha. It's so cool. So um, do you like, do you use your remote when you feel something coming on? Is that the idea? Yeah. So that's the idea. Gotcha. Ideally, you're supposed to have it on all the time, but there's different frequencies, I guess you would say. And when you feel a he headache coming on, like you feel it getting worse, then you change the frequencies. Gotcha. And it's supposed to combat the headache. That's amazing. You're a real life bionic woman. Yeah, exactly. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you went to Texas for that surgery. Was it a tough recovery or how, how long did it take? And tell us a little more about that surgery. Yeah. So it did two step surgery in February. I went down and I had the trial. So everything was on the outside, the battery pack, it was just taped to my chest instead of actually under the skin. And the idea is that as long as you have relief from the trial, then you'll have relief from the implant. Gotcha. So when so i had a trial for four days and then i had it taken out i saw some improvement i didn't see a lot but at that point i was so desperate for relief that i was like okay let's just go forward with the yeah, permanent go for it yeah mm -hmm. yeah so then in may i had the implant and it's just like a surreal feeling because your head is so numb but at the same time you you actually feel the wires in your head so that took like a lot of like getting used to and adjusting and then I still haven't returned to activity yet we're waiting for like the six month mark so in a couple weeks and then it took about three months I would say for me to actually be able to raise my arm above my head again just because the stimulator is right there so it impacts the way that your arm moves hmm. well so you said you've seen some improvement from this surgery right mm -hmm. yeah I was a positive thing for sure yeah it's huge before the surgery i was at a constant seven or eight pain level and Ugh. now i have a constant three so it's improved a lot that's awesome yeah that's a big improvement i'm curious mm -hmm. kayla do you remember the first time you came across another person with occipital neuralgia like do you remember the first time you talked to someone else who had the same thing yeah my mom was doing research about the nerve decompression surgery and she found a newspaper article about a woman named Morgan and she lives in New Jersey and she had um, occipital neuralgia and she had the nerve decompression surgery and it helped. So at that point, we really didn't know anyone that had ON. So my mom, she found the woman, she's a teacher, so she found out where like she worked and she emailed her school account just to find out if we could meet meet each other and just talk about the surgery, how it's helped her. And she actually ended up living in my same town. No way. So it was like <laughs> meant to be. Yeah. yeah. So we met out, we met for coffee. We talked for like an hour and a half. And it was it was amazing because 
she understood me. She understood what I was going through. She was young also. So she understood how much it impacts your life. That's amazing. It must have been such a relief to talk to someone else. I mean, like Aaron and I, we just happen to be friends who also have had brain injuries, but our brain injuries are very different. And we still find, I think I'm speaking for myself, Aaron, you can <laughs> disagree if you don't find support in it, but it's so nice to have each other to talk to because we do share a lot of the same issues and also have very different ones, but we know what it's like to go through all this. So to find someone who knows almost exactly what you're feeling must be such a relief. Yeah. It, really well, it was. helps you not feel like you're crazy. Yes. Like that's my biggest <laughs> yeah. thing is like when you have something going on and a doctor doesn't understand it, you almost start to question yourself. Like maybe I'm making this mm -hmm. up or maybe I'm making it too big a deal because they don't seem to care. And it it's so isolating and lonely. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, so. exactly. And it like sounds I like you've met a lot of others through your foundation as well, right? So mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how you've connected with people through the foundation and how it's helped you? Yeah, we started doing Warrior of the Week every week. So at this point, we've had almost 40 different people send in their stories and just talk about their experience. I send them a questionnaire and they just write up um, like how their experience with OM has been, what's helped them, what hasn't helped. And it's just really helped me see that I'm really not alone. And like you said, I'm not crazy for feeling this pain. Mm. And yeah, at this point we have almost 1200 people. So I'm wow. really excited with, with our progress since we only started in April. So we keep growing and it, it just makes me happy knowing that I'm there for people and they're there for me also. That's awesome. That is awesome. Do you have any advice for other folks who are either dealing with a brain injury in general or specifically with occipital neuralgia, things you've learned along the way that have helped you out? Yeah, definitely turn to social media. I mean, I never would have thought that it would help me, but I've met so many people like they're my friends now. We text, we communicate, we FaceTime and they understand what you're going through. And the same thing, you just, you don't feel as alone. Mm -hmm. And also mm -hmm. um, keep seeking doctors and like medical attention until you find out what's wrong with you. If I stop seeing doctors after this two years, I don't know where I would be. I wouldn't have had these last few surgeries, but I would probably be in bed all day. Mm -hmm. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm glad that I kept seeing doctors and that my mom kept making appointments. Yeah. So keep at it. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned social media and how important it's been to you because I feel like these days there's so much negative focus on social media, on the creepy folks or what trouble it can get you in or the trolls out there. But we don't really actually talk that much anymore about the positivity that social media can bring. So it's nice to hear you talk about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's good in it for sure. Mm. <laughs> Any other things along the way that have been surprising to you um, that might be helpful for other sort of recovery journey folks to hear? Yeah, I mean, I grew up my whole life thinking that doctors, they know everything. Once you go to a doctor's appointment, you're going to be fixed. But that's not the reality. I mean, they're just human, just like we are. They don't know everything. And you just, I don't know. It was surprising to me at 13. I was like, okay, so this doctor will fix me, right? But it's, it's not that cut and dry. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for your own intuition about your body. I mean, like, 
I'm like you, I'm not a medical professional. Erin knows way more about this. <laughs> She's a nurse. <laughs> um, but you know, like there are just moments where you can listen to a doctor and I'm not knocking doctors. Doctors have done amazing things for me during my recovery, but there right. have been moments where I'm like, something doesn't sit right. Or my gut tells me something, or, you know, like I want to explore something further, but I sometimes will talk myself out of it because I'm not yes. a medical professional or because I don't totally understand it all. But it is important still to listen to what your gut's telling you, right? Yeah. And even as a medical professional, like if you can't figure it out, then you start to think, well, maybe, you know, this is something that's other or something that, you know, different and can't be treated. And you almost talk yourself mm -hmm. out of talking about it too, because you feel like you should be able to rationalize and find why is this happening and you can't and they can't. And it, it just compounds on itself and can get difficult. Did you have anyone helping to advocate with you or were you kind of just having yeah, to raise your mom. hand all the time? Your mom. <laughs> no, my mom was always there. She made it to every single appointment. I kind of just sat there because whenever I would talk about it, I would cry. So she was, she was always yeah. there for me. So it really helped. Yeah. It's important to have a, a good support system. Yeah. So if there are providers listening that are interested in the Occipital Neuralgia Foundation, what sort of information or connection collaboration are you looking for? I mean, we're really just looking for someone or multiple people right now that would like to see a cure almost for occipital neuralgia. At this point, there's surgeries that help, but there's nothing that will cure the pain. So we're looking to mainly raise awareness, but at the same time, the money that we raise, I would like to put that towards research and finding a cure. Yeah, put it to good use for sure. That makes sense. Awesome. So Kayla, I'm curious to know, the foundation was started pretty recently. How did you get the idea? Um, well, that's a silly question, <laughs> occipital neuralgia, but <laughs> what, what spurred you to action and, and how did you go about starting the foundation? I mean, for years, I would go on Google and I would just look for support groups or just for more information about ON. And eventually on Facebook, I found multiple support groups, but they were so negative and people, they just hated their lives because they were living with this ON. So my goal was to raise, was to start a group that um, is just full of support and positivity. I think I started that in January. And then my family, we've always said that we wanted to start a nonprofit for LN because there isn't one out there yet. So we began all the paperwork, I guess the beginning of quarantine, it gave us something to do. <laughs> and then we met with the lawyer and everything. Um, and then he helped us to, to get it going. That's amazing. Good for you for taking action, awesome. because I think so many of us sit there with our woes, but not not so many take action and and try to really do something about it. So power to you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Great job. Yeah. So for those out there who want to learn more about what Kayla's up to with the Occipital Neuralgia Foundation, you can find her on the website. Kayla, correct me if I'm wrong. It's onfsupport.org. That's O-N-F-S-U-P-P-O-R-T dot org. And Kayla, if people are looking for you on social media, where should they go? Um, so we have Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, you can find us just at Occipital Neuralgia Foundation. And on Instagram, we're at occipital.neuralgia. Awesome. 
Awesome. So please reach out to Kayla if you have questions or to us, and we can certainly bring Kayla back to answer any occipital neuralgia questions that you might have. And Kayla, thank you so, so much for joining us. You definitely fit the definition of a warrior. You've been strong through all of this. It sounds like it's been quite a journey for you. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. And please look for us, Making Headway Podcast on social media near you, and we'll see you next week. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com.